Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing your power into this room today. We know that your Holy Spirit, Lord, is alive and active here at St. John, and we pray that it would be active in our hearts. And God, we uh, ask that as we open your word, you would speak to us, Lord, maybe uh, fresh and like you never have before. And God, I pray that uh, the words that I would speak would be what you want, Lord, uh, people to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, super exciting. We are starting a new series entitled Powerful. And basically, we're going through the book of Acts for eight weeks. We're going to be in one chapter a week. And since we don't preach for 45 to 50 minutes, we won't go through every verse in that chapter. So what I challenge you to do is take a look each week at that chapter. If you don't have a personal devotion, this could be your devotion. You know, look and say, okay, Lord, uh, what is this saying about me? What does it say about Jesus and who needs to hear this, right? Let me just ask these three questions and just jump into these chapters. Very easy to do. And then when you get to church each week, maybe see, hey, am I in sync? How, how did God speak to me and what does God want to say this week about this chapter? So we're going to start in chapter 1 today. We're going to use a little bit of the Gospel of Matthew as well because the part of Matthew that we're going to be looking at kind of ties chronologically very close with the event that we're going to look at from Acts chapter 1. So we're going to be in both of those today. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew, Acts, uh, if you have your app, you can open that as well. So it was uh, the summer between my 8th grade and freshman year of high school, 1988, Woo! back in those days. Anybody of that, that uh, era? All right. There we go. So it was 1988, and I was convinced uh, beyond a reasonable doubt that I just had a few years of high school, maybe some college, but I didn't need to finish college because I was going to be the third baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals when I was 21 years old, right? Terry Pendleton at the time was going to retire, and that was going to be me. And I got to tell you, that summer, all of a sudden I realized, I looked at these guys that I'd never seen play ball before, and I thought, whoa, I'm like on the D League Right? I didn't even compare to those guys. How am I going to do this in high school? So I had a change of plans. I thought, you know what? At least I can run. I'm coordinated enough to put one foot before the other and run. So I'm going to try out for cross country and see how that goes. Never been a, a, a big long distance runner. I was more of a sprinter. But I thought, let me try this. And so we had what in football they call like hell week. It's two days, you know, or your morning. So we ran in the morning, then we ran in the afternoon. But in the mornings we would do like this nine mile uh, a loop, and it was on the gravel roads between cornfields in the middle of Illinois. So you'd be going and going, and about halfway through, you get to this one corner, and you get to this farmhouse, right? And to this farmhouse dog. And this dog, I'm telling you, um, he had, he, I, I remember it so vividly because it was so scary. He had three legs, one eye was left, and I swear they called him Lucky, right? So he would he would just bark like nobody's business, like he had six legs, right, and five eyes, just Rrr! And I'm telling you, out of all the 20 guys, when we got around that corner, <laughs> okay, I looked like Fred Flintstone on that gravel. My feet were just like this, going really fast, and just passed, no problem. But then about a half mile into it, right, a half mile after that, that farm dog, I was huffing and puffing, I was done, right? And I would finish almost last. And this happened day after day. Well, finally on Friday... A guy named Jerry showed up, and, I, and Jerry was a graduate from our high school. He was in college. He was on their cross-country team. And remember, there's like 20 guys, right? So Jerry, for some weird reason, probably thought, look at that red-faced guy, right? And for some reason, he caught me at the beginning of the run that morning, and he encouraged me. And I don't remember what he said, but he wanted me to come uh, shadow him, be by him. You know, like, so I'm like, uh, okay, I'll do that. And man, he started picking up the pace. 
And I thought, what is going on? I could never do this, right? But I stayed with him mile after mile, and it got halfway through. And then, you know what? We started passing people. We started passing the juniors and the seniors. And I'm like, this is great, right? And so we finished at the end in front of everyone. And I tell you that story for this. There was a power inside of me that was there waiting to be unleashed. It was already there, but I had no clue until Jerry came by my side and he encouraged me. Just that one day is all it took. It, it turned things around. I was the only freshman, all the rest were seniors on the top five that would, would finish each meet. They, they scored the top five in cross country. I was the only freshman. I got a letter that year. I guarantee you, I, I mean, I guarantee you that would not be happening. I would have stayed mediocre at best in the middle of the pack if someone wouldn't have told me, hey, there is something more. There is more power there that you need to tap into and it's going to propel you. I believe that is the same thing that God is doing to us today in the church. I believe that he is calling every single one of you that are here today, not by accident, but on purpose, saying, you know what? There's more. There's more power, and if we read the book of Acts, which we're going to be doing the next eight weeks, we're going to look in there and say, okay, we're going to look in the mirror and say, this is what God had intended for his church. Is this, because I'm part of the church, is this what's going on in my life, right? This is going to be a great challenge to you, a great test, a great encouragement. To loop it in, let's look at the first question here and ask this. How often do you live in a state of hopelessness and feeling powerless. How often do you wake up and there's something that's burdening you, whether it's in your job, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with your kids, whether it's your health, whether it's finances, you name it. How many times do you wake up and you tell what, you know what, this topic, this situation, I feel hopeless and powerless. Or how many times do you fool yourself and think, I got control over all this. And especially when it comes to the kids, you're like, I am powerless over this. I know some of you, like your heart is broken because you, you raised your kids to know Jesus and now like they don't go, they don't believe, they don't, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? Or maybe you have a spouse that you're like, I wish they would come to church. I wish I could share Jesus with them and they, they would have nothing to do with this. I just got a call from a doctor maybe you're feeling this week and you know, I got to go into some crazy tests and treatments and I feel real hopeless and powerless because there's nothing I can do. They're using words that I can't even pronounce in my dreams, Right? And so we often feel that way, but I got to tell you, there's something more that God has for you. And the word is called dunamis. In the Greek, it's dunamis, which we get, that's where we get the word dynamite from. Okay? And when you look in the book of Acts, when they talk about power, they use the word dynamite, right? Dunamis. Something super, super powerful. Right? The only way you can, you can uh, stop the, the, the explosion of dynamite from hurting you is if you had like vibranium or something but you don't. Dynamite is powerful, and dynamite goes. And this is exactly when Jesus says dunamis, the power, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, this is what he's talking about. It's not just something small, right? And here's a big point of this power. Power is, this dunamis, this power is a mark, okay? It's a, it's a part of, a mark of the church, and it's not generated by your own making, Okay? This is a mark of the church. It's like when someone looks at a church, you're supposed to say, okay, one thing that I recognize I see to, for that to be the church is there is power there. 
There's power happening. And it does not come from our own making. So if you're sitting there today thinking, man, I'm getting lots of guilt here because I don't have this power. Don't worry. It's not in your own making. It comes from something, but you need to receive it and do something with it. That's why I have this solar panel up here. This solar panel is beautiful. This solar panel can, can, uh, can create a lot of power for us, right? And I think Chris, my friend back here, he's like Mr. He has a solar power club. Whenever he moves into town, he can do these solar clubs. He's guy's amazing on this stuff. But he let, he let me use this, okay? And this is nice looking, but it's useless right now. What would make it powerful and useful? Well, first it has to be outside. A little foreshadowing here. It just can't stay in the church. It has to be outside so that the sun can reflect its power, put its, its power into it. It soaks it up from the sun. And I don't know a lot about this stuff, but what I do know is then it has to have some wires coming out of it somewhere to let that energy that's been put into it, that power to go into some batteries that hold it. Then the power comes out of the batteries and then it's usually put through something that converts it to however you're going to use the power. And then it's useful. But this thing, this solar panel, is just a conduit. It's just the one that says, okay, I'm receiving this power and I'm giving it out. I'm not holding, I'm not holding it all to myself. I'm giving it out. I could leave scripture alone and just talk about this solar panel and you can get the whole idea. But see, God reflects this when we open his word. Okay? You are a solar panel. Right? A mark of his church is that power is coming in. It's not from our own making. And then it goes out. Here's another truth in the book of Acts before we jump into these four points. God has created you with a purpose and has given you the power to carry that out. Remember, if you're awake today, it's because God has purpose for you. And he has created every single one of you for a purpose. There is a, a plan, a reason you're here. There's a reason you live in the Metroplex. There's a reason that you're, you're re related to who you're related to. There's a reason you work where you do, that you're retired, that even when you get hurt, God can work through that. Romans 8, 28, God works for the good in all things for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, okay? So you have a purpose and a, and a power to carry that out. God just doesn't leave you on your own, right? So, Looking at the book of Acts, we're going to find four major points, kind of overview here. Some come from today's readings, but an overview of, okay, what do we do? Where do we get this power? What's it about? And, and how do we use it, right? The first one is this. To know about this power, you need to realize there is a new authority that we live our lives under. There's a new authority that we live our lives under. And this comes from, this is like a precursor to the book of Acts. This is from Matthew chapter 28. And I'm going to give you the words, and then we're going to talk, unpack this, okay? So Jesus came to them, that's his followers, he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, All authority. Now, if you think about Jesus, and we read in, in, in the Acts reading a while ago there, it says that Jesus, when he rose from the dead, that he appeared to his followers for how many days? For 40 days. Okay? So for 40 days, he was going around doing things that were just amazing as a resurrected person. He was appearing to people, eating. He was walking through walls, doing all this stuff, like super crazy. Now, even though he's a guy, I bet he still said a lot in 40 days. Okay? I mean, he's Jesus. He's always like having conversations. So just imagine all that he said and did. 
In fact, John, the Gospel of John, one of the biographies of Jesus, says that there's so many more things that Jesus said and did, but uh, we don't have them all written down here because it, n- nothing could hold them, right? There's just so much. So I find it interesting that, that when they write biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John write, and then you got the book of Acts here, out of those 40 days, they only give us just a sliver of the stories and the words that Jesus spoke. And so Matthew found it important, guided by the Holy Spirit, to say this about Jesus as he's leaving during that time. He says, Jesus started and he said, all authority has been given to me. Now, why is that important? Because authority has to do with power. And I want you to try to put yourself in the shoes of those early church planters, those apostles, those followers, some that said they even doubted, right? They were questioning it. I mean, they, they gave up. Peter actually, he was called from being a fisherman, a professional fisherman, three years of following Jesus, denied Jesus three times. And where did Jesus find him when he resurrected? He found Peter basically saying, hmm, I'm going back to the old way. He was fishing. Okay, I'm done. Because you know what? Jesus may not have been, Jesus didn't have this authority. He didn't have, and Jesus says, no, what? All authority has been given to me. And, and where these people lived, they lived under the clutches of an empire called Rome. Rome was in control of everything. Rome, in our earthly eyes, had all authority, right? I mean, they owned all the roads, they owned all the businesses, they owned it all. Even the nation, the Jewish nation, right, that lived in their midst had to not only pay taxes, but to bow down to Caesar. Hail Caesar. They even tried to trap Jesus. Remember, they said, hey, uh, should we pay our taxes? He says, well, whose inscription is on the coin? He says, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God's. But even under all of this oppression, Jesus says, not Caesar, not you, but I have all authority, right? It's amazing. It's a a watershed moment for them. And I want you to hear this today as well. We don't have Rome that's in charge, but we have a lot of interesting people in charge. I don't care what side of the aisle, I don't care what country you're talking about, right? And how many of us live in fear, anxiety, We get all worked up because they're like, oh my goodness, this person is elected now. Oh my goodness, this happened in Venezuela, North Korea, in Russia, in Iran, in Chicago. Right? And you get real upset and real nervous. And we've all been down that road where you just get going. And if it's not you, it's someone around you, right? Welcome to the holidays. And yet we can go back and, and you know what Philippians chapter 2 says, that at every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is one who has authority. There's one who's overarching in control of all this. And really, it doesn't matter in the end who gets elected. There are some good things that happen. There are some bad things that happen. And yes, we need to do our civic duty. We need to vote. We need to do this. Things are going to move. But in the end, Jesus, Jesus reigns. And that's where I put my hope, right? I put my hope in Jesus. And then I pray, okay, God, you have the authority. Who can we support? Who can we pray for? Who can we get behind that will reflect your authority? And I'm only 40, 
four years old, and I can't tell you how many people that I voted for and thought that they would do that. (laughs) They didn't. Right? So again, you have your hopes, and you can put your hopes in this person or that, but I'm telling you, the hope is in Jesus. Right? That's where the power is. Okay, I got to get off that point. Right? I was a political science major. Sorry. It's okay. Number two. Number two, uh, not only is there a new authority that we live our lives under, we have been given a clear assignment, right? Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. If you're new here, this is what people commonly refer to as the Great Commission, okay? The Great, Jesus is like, hey, this is what I want you to go do, right? I'm the authority, and this is what you need to go do. This is your, this is your assignment. And Jesus says, therefore, go. Can you just say, go with me? Go, go, okay? Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And you know what? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right? So Jesus says, I have a very clear assignment for you. And it is go tell the good news. Tell them about I'm living. I'm alive. I've defeated all this. There is nothing to fear anymore. Go and tell people the good news. Yet there's a little word called sin that always affects us. And just think about this word sin, right? What are the last two letters in it? I-N, in. Think of how many times sin causes us not to go, but to stay in, to focus inward, right? Ah, I don't know. I don't want to offend them. I don't want to not look that cool. I don't, I'm too tired, right? All these different excuses were like, you know what? I just don't know if I can go share Jesus, but this is what God calls us to do. I have come so that they could have life and have it abundantly. Let them know the gospel, right? That's our assignment. Number three is this. We have an all-sufficient assistant. We have an all-sufficient assistant, right? We're going to jump into Acts now. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the beginning, says this. Jesus promises that you're going to receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, right? A few verses earlier, he talks about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It basically means that you're going to have the Holy Spirit come on you in such a strong way that it's going to flood you in a way that you will be able to do things that you normally couldn't do. You'll be able to say things, think ways. You'll be able to to process things in normally ways that you couldn't do it, right? And it's not from yourself, it's from the Holy Spirit who is your guide, your comforter, right? The one who will guide you in what to say, what to do, what to think, who to approach, you name it. That's your assistant. I got to tell you, this is like the most amazing assistant. Because this assistant, the Holy Spirit, it's the same one that raised Jesus from the dead. This Holy Spirit was there in Genesis chapter 1. When God said, let us make man in our image. When everything was created, this Holy Spirit, that's the same one that now is your assistant. What else is better? What else wins, right? The fourth one is this. We're going to find this throughout the book of Acts, that there will be an assimilation of all people, right? When this power goes out, it's going to bring an assimilation or a connection of all people. Now, this is important, I think, for many of us in here, because I just to be, to be honest, how many times do you look at people and at least inside you judge them? Right? You're like, ah, I don't like them for this reason. Ah, I can't trust them for this reason. 
I mean, and do you, I'm just going to ask, do you then let, let that affect your sharing of the gospel? Do you choose who you share Jesus with depending on what that person looks like, where they come from, you name it, right? I don't know, only you can answer that. But I find it, that's very easy to fall into. Because sometimes it's fearful, like, I don't want to talk to them. Right? I can't even read what that tattoo says. And you allow that to be your power, right? Fear instead of the Holy Spirit. And yet, here's what the Bible says. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 6-9, through I don't have this up here, you might want to just write it down. Galatians 3, 6-9 says that the Gentiles, that's those who aren't Jews, right? The Gentiles, that's us, we're going to be grafted into the promise of Abraham. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9-10 through says that the redeemed from every race, tribe, and tongue will be brought in. A little bit further, Revelation 7, verses 9-10 through again, says that there will be a representation from all nations, right? We're going to see in the books of Acts that the power is so powerful that tribes... Languages, nationalities, you name it, they are overcome by the one common thing. The mark of the church is the power of the Holy Spirit, right? God knows no tongue, creed, race, or boundaries. He loves people, right? And so you're going to see that when this power gets inside of you, this is awesome. You will be able to love people that normally before you either despised or hated, you're going, to, you're going to see be able to look at people and say, you know what, I don't know that I could ever go talk to that person, but the Holy Spirit is going to help me to do that. Is this something our nation needs right now or what? Yeah. Because I, I didn't even bring it up, but I'm thinking it was kind of back from the, the first point. But uh, <laughs> I mean, just think if they're labeled uh, a Democrat or Republican or independent or socialist, whatever. I mean, you look at those names and they allow you to filter that person before you've even met them. Right? Um, I know that I need that, and I know that we all need that, right? And so here is this assistant that will allow us to help in God's plan of assimilation for all people. Finally, this. This is going to launch us into next week, okay? Receiving this power may mean that you are, need to turn from that which is powerless, okay? When you get the Holy Spirit in you, all of a sudden things are going to open up and you might realize, you know what, I need to turn from that. I need to stop doing that. I need to stop watching that. I need to stop looking at that, right? We're going to talk all about that next week, okay? What do you need to turn from? Be praying about that. What do you need to turn from? And here, one of the things I think is probably big for all of us is fear. How many times does fear, in the end, it's powerless? It feels really powerful when you're going through it, but at the end, it leads you nowhere except bad places. When you think about fear, right? It's powerless. Jesus is more powerful than that. And here's an illustration of that. This week, as a country and as a world, we celebrated uh, the freedom uh, that many men gave us, uh, what we call D-Day, right? The invasion of Normandy, so that they could free Europe from the tyranny of the Nazis. Some of you have heard of uh, President Eisenhower, but uh, you might know also that he was a general. And I want to read to you just an amazing connection here. It only could be the Holy Spirit that has brought all this together in this week, okay? I want to read to you um, what Eisenhower gave to the troops, all four of the branches. As they launched out, he wrote a letter of encouragement. And this is just three sentences of what he said in this letter. He says, your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy will be trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. Sounds like an enemy we know, right? He says, but the tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together in victory. 
I have full confidence, he says, in your courage, your devotion to duty, and the skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. It sounds like Jesus could be saying this with the Holy Spirit right here. And here's what Roosevelt said, okay? Roosevelt was a president at the time. And he gave a, an address on the 5th and then the 6th, okay, after the invasion happened that evening. Here's part of his radio address. I'm just going to read this paragraph as well. He says, They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard, for the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces, and success may not come with rushing speed, but we will return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. Do you know the day that those boys landed there was not the day that they released, uh, they released Europe and France in particular? They landed on June 6th. It took until the middle of August for the Nazis to give up just France. It took until the next May, okay, from June all the way till the next May, almost a year, as they had to advance and advance and advance, right, to declare that Europe was actually free the whole year. It took even longer until the next September for the, the folks over in the Pacific to get the Japanese to surrender. And yet June 6th happened. And they were encouraged. They said, you know what? We will again and again go forward because we have that power. Do you know those boys had some fear? But guess what was more powerful than fear? Because they actually got out of those boats. They knew that they had a backup power. That they had people praying for them, people supporting them. They would have goods that would be even with wagons brought to the front lines. There, were, there was power that continued to back them up. And someday, as long as it would be, victory would be theirs. That's the same thing with your life. Right? You may have fears, but as you move forward in obedience, God says, I'm never leaving you. I'm going to give you that power. You have that backup, and there's going to be a day that you will look blamelessly in front of the Lord Jesus he will say, well done, well done, faithful servant.